Hello and welcome to the show. This is the JerzNet Podcast. So, a week that promised so much has left us all feeling more than a little bit deflated. After a frustrating midweek draw at home against Spartak Moscow, a toothless and impotent performance has seen us dumped out the League Cup at Hamden. As always, we're here to take a look back at the week's event and we'll be casting a critical eye over both matches and trying not to let hysteria get the better of us. Joining me for this week's post-mortem, Aberdeen did ask for a 50-50 split on the pundits, but we told them to bolt. So instead, we got a warm welcome back to one of our regular guests, Stevie Clifford. Stevie, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you feeling? Um, yeah, very, very despondent tonight, actually. Very disappointed today. Just uh, terrible. I think that kind of echoes myself. Also on the show this evening is uh, another Jersey Netpod favourite, Christine Somerville. Christine, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, Ross. Um, I think like everybody else, to be honest, just really, really a, a, a few days that had promised so much and we're at the end of it now feeling totally deflated. Aye, it's a real disappointment. There was such anticipation coming into this week, especially off the back of an international break, feeling like the football had gone away for a wee while. There was so much to look forward to. Um, and yeah, I mean... Obviously, recording this on Sunday evening, game against Aberdeen, it only finished a few hours ago, so we're all feeling a little bit raw, a little bit sore, um, and more than a little bit angry and disappointed. But there's no better place to begin than the Aberdeen game for this week. Um, we might as well dive straight in and, and, and get on and discuss it. Christine, you know, dumped out the League Cup again at the semi-final stage for the second year running. What did you make of the performance today at Hamden? Frustrating, I think, probably more than anything else. Um I think somebody said we we didn't have a shot on target. I was way, way up in the upper south stand. So it was one of these games where the players looked like Sabuto men. Um, so I haven't actually really seen many of the incidents, but I can't remember us really making a clear-cut chance even. Um, we're all very well, you know, passing it about. And, but when it came to penetration we just didn't have any no I think that's a that's a fair point that's a really accurate summation of the game it felt like there was some decent build-up play kept it solid enough at the back for most of the game held the ball okay in midfield and then absolutely nothing up front toothless impotent um, and it's not the first time you know obviously we played against Spartak Moscow and failed really to create many good chances there um, got a 4-1 win the other week um, against Hamilton Ackies, which probably flattered us more than just a wee bit with the scoreline. And yeah. then before that was the Livingston game where it was the same story. So it's, that's becoming a wee, bit of a, a wee bit of a worry for me. Stevie, I think, uh, I think I'm right in saying that you were at Hamden way up in the gods as well today. What was your immediate reaction to the result? Uh, extremely, extremely disappointing. Pretty dejected, actually, Ross. I mean, we were, were becoming kind of used to getting kicked in the teeth, but I had... I had it in my head that we were past this now. Today was so flat. It was so one-paced. We're a lot better than that today. A lot, lot better. And we ended up getting dragged to the level of our opposition. And fair play to them. Listen, they came with a game plan and they, and they executed it superbly. But we we were too slow. We didn't move the ball quick enough. Um, so one-paced. There was nobody in the eleven that took the game by the scruff of the neck, which is something that I was calling out for. And something else which has really annoyed me 
um, and I'm going to I'm going to go on to it is Steven Gerrard in that he has changed the way that we played, and I think that's key because a lot of criticism for Lusana Koulibaly who has not played well in the last couple of games, but Lusana Koulibaly is not a right sided midfielder. He is a defensive midfielder, and when he was in his best form, he sat in front of the four as a two alongside Ryan Jack. He's now playing as part of a three, and it doesn't work. We we are not suited to a 4-3-3 team. We have watched it happen last year under Warburton, and it doesn't work. We endured Graham Murray messing about with it as well, and it doesn't work. We had a nice system of a 4-2-3-1. We had a spine. We had things that were starting to gel and a partnership in defence and things like that. And it has been broken up. And today, it just screamed at me that we just don't look comfortable. We're too far away from the front man. The wingers are too wide. And the decision-making and the final ball, it's just, it's went, it's just went to pot. And we've, we've looked, if you look back at our best performances, and I'm talking about Hearts and I'm talking about um, Vienna at home and things like that, and even going away back to um, 3-1 victory in Europe against Maribor and things like that, um, we were 4-2-3-1. We had the number 10 behind the striker, close to him, making runs beyond. And I realise Arfield's been injured. But he's changed it, and and it's not working. And the the performances in the last three games have all been systematic of, of that change. And I hope that he quickly reverts back, um, because to me, it just, it just isn't working today. It's so frustrating. So frustrating. I'm very angry about today. I think we, you know, we can hear that... Uh- You've made some really interesting points there, actually, and and like you say, we are gonna we're gonna come on and talk about Gerard and the set up and if he should have changed the system and things like that. But you've made one point that that really struck me today was the decision making of the players because you know so the system's changed and and we're not playing our most comfortable system and maybe that's because of injuries and different players fighting for different positions, whatever it might be. The system's changed and it's it's not as cohesive and it's not as fluid. But for me today. We were still the better side. We're still the better team with better players. But when we got the ball into more dangerous areas or when the, the play was starting to build up and, and we were starting to get some momentum, someone would always make the wrong decision. When there was a 50-50 decision to make, it was always the wrong decision today. And that was what frustrated me most was the lack of intellect from some of the players who should know better, who should be more incisive um, and be smarter and be able to have some vision. Um, That was what really, really bugged me today. Christine, obviously, you know, we've we've heard Stevie's kind of dissection of the game there. Like I say, I think we were today and we are in general a better team than Aberdeen. We've played them twice now this season um, and twice we've failed to beat them. I think we are a better team than them and I definitely think we have better players and, and by the way I certainly think we have a better manager and coaching set up than Aberdeen so why are we failing to beat this team? I suppose if I knew that I would be the Rangers manager but I think I think Steve is absolutely right about the formation um, but there's other things that really bug me as well I mean first of all I thought at the start of the season that we were, you know, had riches in midfield. We're now in a situation, obviously, Dorans is out, Jamie Worthy's out long term. It looks as if Barisic is going to be out. I know he's not a midfielder, but it looks as if he's going to be out long term as well. Um, John Flanagan, for me, isn't a left back. 
he's too right-sided. Um, but you know what really, really bugs me is our inability to take a decent corner kick, to take even a throw-in. I was looking today and more often than not, within you know, 10 seconds of our throw-in, it's back with the opposition. Do you think that's just general, you know, stupidity? Just giving the ball away. I thought our passing was dreadful today in many parts as well. You know, straight to the opposition. You think, how can a player do that? I don't know. It happens too often. And Stevie G, if you're listening in, I'm quite happy to discuss this over a coffee with you. Aye, a coffee or a bottle of wine, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's it's a strange point, this thing about throw-ins and free kicks and corners and that, because I think, like, growing up, this seems to be a symptom of every Rangers side I've ever watched going back to, like, unless we had Jorg Alberts taking a free kick. It seems symptomatic of every Rangers side that we cannot make the most of set pieces. And it's, it's, it's really frustrating because teams especially over the past few years, know that they can hurt us with set pieces. Like going back to Warburton, that's how teams would punish us was by taking a set piece and and we would concede every time. And it seems like that's kind of never really been addressed for us that we'll never take advantage. And I don't know if that's because we think we're too good a football inside. We don't need to rely on set pieces like a a slightly weaker side would need to rely on set pieces against us. But I think it's a really valid point and it's... um, it's something that's frustrating because it's a basic, like, if you've got the ball, if you've got a dead ball or a throw-in, keep the ball, keep possession. It doesn't matter how good your footballers are. If they've not got the ball or if they're giving the ball away, yeah. they're never going to punish anyone. Yeah. And I th- also think, Rose, that Tav, I mean, why is Tav taking every single corner kick? Is that an instruction from the manager? I know, because I, I, this was something that really bugged me. Midweek, and we'll come on to talk about the Moscow game. Was that his corner kicks were shocking? Like, couldn't he beat the first man again and again and again? Yeah, it's it's either can't beat the first man, or it's it goes right over his head, out, you know, to the near the other corner flank. It's, it's dreadful. Surely, out of all the players that we have, we have somebody that can take a corner kick over a Davy Cooper. That's all I can say. Go for a Davy Cooper, I know, but I mean, that's not just set pieces, though, is it? I would, a player like him at the moment would, would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Obviously, one of the big problems going into this game was the striker situation, which was kind of hotly debated um, in the lead-up to the game. A lot of people saying, oh, are we going to go with Kent up top? Is it going to be Gresda? A lot of people seem to have kind of written off Umar Sadiq, saying he's he's not got any minutes, he's not going to get the, the nod at Hamden, but he, he did, and he was put in as a lone striker, starting his First game for Rangers in the Betfred Cup semi-final at Hamden. Stevie, how did you assess Umar Sadiq's performance today? Before um, I talk about Sadiq, I will say one thing. Gerard less than a month ago ripped Sadiq apart in a, in a press conference. Tore strips off him, basically. And less than, you know, less than a month later, we're pitching him in for the first time ever um, in a big semi-final against um, the you know, tough opposition who are going to sit in... Um, we don't know how he plays. He doesn't know who we play. So we'll come on to that in a second. Gerald has made a lot of comments about youth and, and things like that. And he's brought Middleton in and things like that. And I get that. We've got a striker who's banging them in the reserves. And I called this towards the end of, um, end of the week on the blog and said that if if we're throwing in Sadiq, then Andrew Dallas is, is more than capable of, of being ahead of Sadiq in terms of, of playing. He's played more reserve games. He's got an eye for goal. He plays back to goal. He holds it up. That's his role. He's a number nine. Exactly what we needed today. 
So Andrew Dallas might might not be the answer for us long term or whatever else, but when we had a real shortage today, I'm disappointed that he didn't look there. On to Sadiq's performance. Um, again, this goes back to what I say. We, we don't know how to play him. And I was in the very, very last row today, which which meant I had a, 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 a kind of, I was like looking at a chessboard and, and Aberdeen more or less were always five at the back with their, with their wingers tucking in. It was like a defensive wall. They sat in, we knew they were going to do that and that's what they did. But Sadiq's running meant that he played right on the shoulder. Now, we delayed in giving him the pass several times. He was offside too many times. He was caught off five offsides in the game. And he, he, he never really had any shots. We never gave him anything. We never fed him the way we should. Long balls up to him with McKenna and things like that behind him was pointless. He did hold up the ball sometimes okay and managed to get it away. But another thing that, that, that I was saying earlier on, our midfield are so far away from the striker, not once did anyone get beyond to give him something. Um, the, the wide the wide men never got close to him. Aside of that, Sadiq himself, Sadiq won't work at Rangers. I, I, I would be hugely surprised if we see him in the Rangers jersey again. It got to about, I think, the 60-minute point where it became obvious to everybody apart from our manager that he, he needed to come off. He was not match fit. He, he looked terribly unfit, actually. And there was one point where Gerard actually had a right go at him for, for being offside. The run and and the balls into his feet actually brought him his best chance. He was round the goalie and why he went down, I just I just don't know. I've not seen that again. It looked like a clear dive to me at the time. Um, why he did that, I'm not sure. Is he no confidence in himself just to slot it in? If he stands up, I'm sure that the challenge is coming anyway. I just don't understand his thought process and the whole thing. As I said, I, I don't think we'll see you, Marcedic, again. And to be honest... It goes back to, to Morelos against the air. Gerard was big enough to say maybe he got it wrong and he shouldn't have played him, but it's also got to be big enough for Morelos to say that he needs to watch how he behaves. We know that as temperament. You know, you take the good but the bad with him, but he has cost us as much as anybody else has cost us today by not being available. He's our big he's our big man up front. He's our best player and things like that. Gerard just says that, so he needs to watch and curve his, his behaviour. It's all symptomatic. Of, of what we had today and, and where it went wrong. So Sadiq for me, he's, he's never going to be a Rangers player. And I don't. I would. I would put my money on him never being a Rangers shirt again. I think that's a that's a really accurate way of summing it up. It was um, if we're going to be super critical about it, it he was given a chance. He was given a, a huge platform, and uh, aye, there's pressure on him. Fine, but that's what you're there to do. Is you're there to play football and score goals. He was given a, a chance on a huge stage, and he couldn't take it. And it's a good point that you made. If we're being tactical about this, it's a good point that the the midfielders never got up and got around him and and made runs ahead of him. Because actually, today of all days is when we needed midfielders to do that, um, and it didn't happen. So it, it it's part of a wider series of disappointments to Zeke's performance today, but. Um, it's, it, you know, it's a slightly strange one, isn't it? Because if you think of the players that we've brought in over the summer, and obviously it's been huge recruitment, you'd think we're bringing a lad in on loan from Nottingham Forest and we're signing folk from Croatian leagues. Um, and yeah, it's the lad from Roma that can he get a game. I, I seem to remember when we were trying to sign this guy from Roma, there were some reports saying they might not even let him go because they might find a role for him this season. Like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Because... 
he, he just he, he never looks a footballer fit for our level. So how he could get a game for Roma, I have no idea. I have no idea. On um, that though, it's, it's interesting, Ross. Sorry to interject. If you remember what the NEC breeder manager said about him, said that he was um, a poor trainer. He said his attitude and, and things like that were were questionable. But when he got on the pitch, he he could be one moment. You know, he could be electric, and next he could be tearing your hair out with. Him. I think I think we've all seen that today, but I also think as well that we we operate in quite an unforgiving environment in Scotland. Um, our fan base, etc. I, th- I just don't think he'll cut it, even even if you know you're going to have to persist with him in order to get the best out of him. And we we don't have time to muck about and let Umar Sadiq find his feet and everything else. Gerard, as again, as I said, has called him out, given him the opportunity, and he's fluffed his lines. He's, he's, his career at Rangers is over. Ah, exactly. I'm I'm fairly confident that Mark Allen's on Skyscanner this evening, looking for the the first flight back from Glasgow to Rome. Christine, obviously, we're we're talking about Sadiq, and and Stevie mentioned there that Morelos needs to shoulder some blame. We'll come on to that in a second for for your thoughts on that. But firstly. How badly did we miss Morelos and, and to a lesser degree, perhaps Kyle Lafferty tonight? You know, there, there was a striking crisis in this game. How much of a miss were Morelos and Lafferty for you? It's difficult to say, to be honest, Ross, because, you know, they, were, they both got a shot on Thursday night and nothing happened. You know, neither of them managed to, to really do anything on Thursday night. So, but I think obviously when you've got your top two strikers, um, unavailable. Uh, it's it's definitely crisis, and I think maybe we could have we could have done something different rather than Sadiq. Um, I also think it's worthwhile discussing. Should we be bringing some of our loan players back? You know, players like Greg Doherty, who's I know he's only p- playing for Shrewsbury, but you know he's scoring goals. He's getting man in the match performances every week, and he's the type of player that would get about teams. Whereas we seem to have that. I think sometimes Stevie G has a wee blind spot when it comes to the likes of Koulibaly, Adaria. I'm kind to a degree, although he's vastly improved, but he's still trying to beat too many men. From what I can see, you know, he still doesn't seem to know, right, that's it, I'll pass it now or I'll, I'll do something. He just tries to beat too many people sometimes. So um, I think I'm getting a wee bit off topic here. But um, as far as Morelis to blame, yeah, I mean, his discipline is, can be poor and I think he probably knows that. But he's a young guy and you'll just need to learn. You're right. I mean, I don't know where I've come down on this debate. You know, I'm, I'm a wee bit conflicted about can we assign blame to Morelos? I think, I think Stevie, you make a, a, a good point that you know, there needs to be some kind of foresight, you know, if, if you're picking up needless bookings like Morelos unfortunately does um, in a, a short cup like the Betfred Cup, you're going to pick up a suspension and, it, and it's, it's cost us today. I'm not saying that we'd have won that game if Morelos was in the side, but I do think we'd have had a considerably better chance. Um, it's, but look, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, we've known for a long, long time that Morelos wasn't available. And so maybe it's maybe the most frustrating thing about this, Stevie, is you're right that that he didn't 
find a viable alternative. Um, and I actually, I, I'd never had considered Andy Dallas until I'd read it on your blog. But I guess Stevie G's the man who's there. He's at the training ground. He knows how these lads are getting on. I like to think that if Andy Dallas was ready for this for this occasion, then Craig Mulholland would have had the word in Gerard's ear. I don't know. You know, we're not there um, day to day, but it's it's just a sickener that we knew that we would be without our striking options, and it was such a toothless striking performance today. It was written in the stars in a way we could all see it was coming, and and unfortunately, it happened. Can I just say, Ross? Sure. On that thing on Andy Dallas, I'm not saying that Andy Dallas is the answer or Andy Dallas is ready. What I'm saying is Andy Dallas was more of an option than Umar Sadiq. He's he's had more minutes reserve level. He's scored more goals. He looks more capable of playing that that position to a guy in Sadiq that we know doesn't train well, hasn't trained well, has had issues settling has his issues with his timekeeping, his attitude at training, etc., to the point where the manager has ripped into him less than a month ago in a press conference. That's my point. That's that's where I am at with it. I think it's a very fair point. And uh, like you, I think the, the bottom line is we will be stunned if that man makes an appearance in a Rangers jersey ever again. Um, but I, Listen, you bring in, how many players do we bring in? 17, 18 players in the summer. It's, it's it's slim comfort for us now, but not all those players are going to work out. That's that's the the, the grim reality, and, and unfortunately, that's kind of come to a head today and seen us knocked out of the competition that was our best realistic chance of silverware this season yet again. Um, and that's obviously now that's two seasons in a row that we've gone out the Betfred Cup at the semi-final stage with incredibly disappointing performances, obviously, last year against Motherwell. Um, Christine, would you say that it's fair to say we have a problem with the nerve that we hold going into these big games? Is it fair to say that we bottle it in the big matches? You know, thinking about semi-finals last season against Motherwell and against Celtic, Old Firm that we the games that we still cannot win. Do we have a, a problem going into these big games that we just don't believe we can win? I would say in a way, yes, we do, because the Celtic game was such a disappointment to us all. Um, I don't want to go back to last year, though, because we've really not got the, you know, all that many players left from last year. Um, we do have several people that really have no experience of dealing with these big matches or being involved in them. I'm thinking like the Looney players, and I don't have anything against the Looney players, but you know they really don't have that experience, especially the Liverpool guys. But you know we've performed well over in um, Villarreal. Um, you know we've, we've performed really well in Europe away so far this season. So you know they're big games. Um, but I don't know. I thought. Hamden hasn't really been kind to us since we, we beat Celtic in those, those penalties years ago. I, I don't think we've, we've been in enough big, really, really big games to say that we bottle it yet. Okay, yeah, fair, fair point. I mean, you're right, though. Our, our record at Hamden since the, the Scottish Cup semi-final two years ago is is shocking. You know, there's a, there's a, a Hamden hoodoo, if you like, over us at the minute. Stevie, where do you come down on this? I mean, with, with arguably bigger challenges to come, namely in, as we look to to win the league title this season, um, do you think we need to be concerned about our form in, in the bigger games? 
yes and no. Um, I don't. I don't think we have an issue with um, our ball. I don't think that is in, in question. Um, it's, it's fine margins, Ross. For me, commented already on formations and things like that. I'm sure we'll get into that in a wee bit. Um, but I've, I've seen enough from this team this year under Gerard to know that we can perform a lot bigger and a lot better than we did today. So that's that's the question of bottle isn't in it for me. They didn't bottle it in Ossigeti, they didn't bottle it in Ufa to nine men, etc. So they didn't bottle it in Villarreal. You know, the, the games that we've had in Europe. So no, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I just think that we're the kind of team that, that aren't good enough to carry two or three players not performing, right? So if two or three players are having a five out of ten, six out of ten game like today, it falls by the wayside. And we we touched on this earlier on 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 final third decision making and things like that. Candace was away from his man inside the first thirty five minutes three times clearly. All three times he hit the first man or duffed his cross when he could have either carried on 10, 15 yards. Ryan Jack ended up with a shot at the edge of the box, which he dragged wide, which if he looked up to the right, Candace was cleaning. There was another issue when we were, um, Sadiq on one of the times when he managed to break away, we were three on two and he played the wrong pass and it ended up behind Candace. These are all vital moments and they're the difference between creating chances and not. And until we reach a level of consistency, and that's my biggest problem with this team. That's the that's the issue for me. It's not whether we have the ball or whether or not we have the ability. It's whether or not we have the consistency. That's our major issue. Until Steven Gerrard sorts that and I think gets back to what we were doing best, then we're going to struggle. Well, in a way, I suppose that's, that's a nicer issue to have is consistency rather than bottle because consistency... It's something that I feel can be fixed easier, right? With a bit of momentum, with a bit of belief, with a bit of courage. Um, whereas Bottle is, is is probably pointing to a deeper problem with the, the kind of psyche of the players. So I'm hopeful that you're right, Stevie. I think you are right because we have faced big challenges this season that we've come through. Um, going to Ufa down to nine men and playing a significant portion of that game with nine men holding on to try and progress to the group stages of the UEFA Cup, sorry, the Europa League. Um, that takes bottle, that takes nerve. So you're right, we've proved that we have it, that consistency is an issue and it's something that we've, we've spoken about on this podcast a number of times this season already is consistency. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that at the moment we seem to be consistent in is a lack of penetration up top. Um, and I'm glad you highlighted all those examples there, Stevie, of, of, of poor decision making because it was like I was watching the game, obviously on on BT Sport. It was blindingly obvious what the right call was today, in in all of those examples, and and in many more. It was very very obvious what the players should have done, um, and they didn't do it. And that's that's one of the most frustrating things, is that. I'm not a football expert, right? I love football. I'll watch any football. I was never a good player. Um, and I'm not like a, a genius with a football. But if I can see what pass needs to be made, what run, um, then a player getting 
10, 15, 20 grand a week has to be able to see it as well. And that's what's really, really disappointing as fans. And also the fact that we can do it. We've played so well at times this season, so we can do it. So why don't we do it in, in some occasions where it matters? Because it, it just leaves us feeling like we're feeling tonight. It leaves us feeling hurt. Um, we've spoken briefly about Gerard and the way he was set up. And, and Stevie, obviously, we know, we know your feelings on that. Um, for me, one of the big problems that Stephen Gerrard seems to be displaying, and unfortunately, it seems to be something that was consistent with, with Graham Murty as well, is substitutions. Uh, and it's something that, that's got me tearing my hair out, is it's, he doesn't seem to change the game quickly enough. Right? Everyone could see that Umar Sadiq was struggling, not just with like, the, the quality that he obviously was lacking, but fitness as well. He was struggling after about 50 minutes, but he didn't come off at 50 minutes. Christine, do you think that Gerard has a problem with his substitutions? Does he take too long to change the game? I think you can look, you know, you can look at several games. I mean, today um, and, and on Thursday night, actually, where he waited till 80 minutes uh, to bring on any substitutes. And it's been like the Glenn Middleton. Now, he's been on the bench probably for the majority of games this season. So how can he possibly be much fit? You know, he's, yeah, I do think he's got a problem. I think everybody could see today, even when it was still nothing each, that it wasn't working. And, you know, he's been paid the big bucks to make the decisions and he probably should have substituted earlier is what I'm trying to say. Ah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. But you're right, he's, he's the man that's paid to, to make these calls and it's, it's on his head that the, these decisions will rest. Um, I hope, you know, obviously you guys listening to this podcast, it's coming out a few days after we've recorded. Like I say, we're feeling very, very raw, um, hurt, angry after that, particularly angry after that performance. There have been performances over the last couple of years that have hurt, but this one is, is disappointing. Um, so I hope we've not been too critical in that assessment of the game. Um, but it's, it's really disappointing to follow up this hurdle again when we know the side can be better. Um, and we know that this team can deliver silverware, but they're just not finding that extra gear at the moment. So with that, uh, I think it's best that we move on to discuss the uh, the earlier game from, from last week, midweek. Obviously, we had Spartak Moscow visiting Ibrox for the first of the Russian doubleheaders. We'll be travelling to Moscow uh, a little over a week from now to face him in the return leg. Uh, we played out what was at times tense, but particularly a frustrating nil-nil draw. Um, Christine, I'll stay with you for the moment. What were your general thoughts after the game on Thursday night? I think probably like everybody else, disappointment that we didn't win. I think at least we had a couple of chances. Um, you know, there was a couple of wins that would have been tap-ins for people had it gone the right way. And it was just overall frustration. I think everybody was looking back to the uh, rapid Vienna game where, you know, in the second half, we really we really took the game by the scruff of the neck and created chances and ended up, obviously, in the last few minutes, like the last 10 minutes, getting two goals. And I think everybody was kind of expecting that to happen again. And it didn't. And... But... You know, you've got to be realistic here that Moscow are a good side. They've been in the Champions League. Um, you know, we don't have any divine right 
to make a team like that. However, you know, it's maybe shown how far we've come. The fact that we are disappointed that we didn't beat them. But I feel as if that's is maybe something you're going to go into about qualifying. But I think, you know, to be have realistic chances, I think we had to win um, our home games and we failed to do that in one of them. So obviously disappointment um, more than anything else from Thursday night. It's a really interesting one because it's quite hard to kind of decide how you should be feeling after a, after a result like that. You know, we consider um, where we've been over the past few years, but also where we were 12 months ago. Um, it's it's a really strange one because 12 months ago, we never would have even dreamt of facing clubs like Vienna, Villarreal and, and, and Spartak. So it's a, it's a difficult one when you draw, but you think you should, we should be beating them. It kind of shows how far we have come, I suppose. Stevie, how about yourself? Do you think uh, a draw was a fair result or, or should we be winning games like these? Ross, I hope you don't mind, but before I answer this, I'm going to go back to something that you were, you were kind of touching on here. It's important to say something. When we're obviously analysing like a game today and we're talking about it, it doesn't mean we're suddenly thinking that Steven Gerrard's not the answer or, or we're, we're, we're this and we're that, we're rubbish, etc. That's simply not the case for me today. I've got utter faith in, in Stephen Gerrard and I do realise, and I think I've, I've repeatedly said this on these pods and on the blogs, and think we are a work in progress. So results like today will happen, unfortunately, for us. But going, going back, you, you know, and, and something that um, Christine said and, and things like that, Stephen Gerrard is obviously a young learning manager. I'd like Stephen Gerrard to be a wee bit more proactive during games instead of being reactive. And what I mean by that is today we waited until we went a goal down to make a sub with maybe eight minutes left. And you're asking then a young boy like Middleton to try and do something in that time is against a team that have now set up 11 behind the ball even more than before. That is where 65, 70 minutes we should be looking to, to change things up. And that brings me nicely on to, to the point of Moscow on Thursday night. Now, first of all, nil nil against Moscow wasn't the worst result in the world. We put it in context of where we've been and where we've come. Like you guys have said, to be disappointed in that is is a great thing. Um, I, I was frustrated. I think at that um, again, this goes back to something that I've said already. I think that our, our shape isn't correct for our personnel. 4-3-3 doesn't suit us and we and we do struggle to get close to the front man which means that carving out an opportunity was was difficult for us and when we did get that opportunity right at the end with Gresda I think that um, he showed kind of lack of match games etc and, and, and he missed the opportunity which probably in hindsight has, has cost him his, his game time today the other thing I would, I would say about, about Thursday night is as well that um, it goes back to Gerard again with his with his subs and, and wanting him to be a wee bit more proactive. You seen the lift that Middleton gave everybody, and and we and we saw a wee glimpse of, of what we can of, of, of what he can offer. Subs need to get made 10, 15 minutes earlier to give them an opportunity to influence the game. Um, Middleton coming on would have given everybody a lift at a time where it was quite flat. It would have given the crowd a lift as well. So. That that's my only my only criticism of of Thursday night was that I felt that it, we could have changed it up quicker. 
I've not particularly got a problem with the substitutions that, that Steven Gerrard makes, but it's, it's, it's the timings and, and, and when he's doing it. He's, he's made a couple of late substitutions. The one in Motherwell, he made a late substitution when we were defending a corner. I think that shows a wee bit of, of kind of naivety, but I would have expected Michael Beale and Gary McAllister that to be more um, kind of advising him on that. But it's, it's a learning curve for him. We're a work in progress, I get that. Um, but no, no, I hope in Moscow. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't um, angry or, I was, it wasn't that I wasn't pleased, um, disappointed that we didn't win yet, but uh, there was a little bit of me that thought, well, listen, that, that's fine. That's okay. We've come a long way. We're 11 games unbeaten in Europe. You know, on to the next one is still in the melting pot. You see, that's that's kind of what I mean by this struggling to kind of decide how to feel after a game like that because I think the way you're talking there, you probably kind of felt similar to me in that I felt there was a bit of a, an internal conflict I was having. Like, I was frustrated after, like, you know, Christine, Christine made the point after the performance against Vienna, which was, you know, an, an incredible atmosphere and, and a wonderful occasion for the club. Um, and after that performance to then not get three points against Spartak, when I thought in the first half in particular, we were the better side and then second half, they, they grew into it a wee bit and, and certainly looked more dangerous. Um, I was annoyed that we didn't win the game, but then I was kind of annoyed at myself for being annoyed because it's not a, a catastrophic result. In fact, Spartak were Russian champions two years ago and I, right, it's not the same team um, and they've had a, some internal struggles with the manager and, and, and some players with disciplinary issues and whatever. But they're not a bad side at all. Actually, they're a very good side. They're an established European side and we're competing. And not only we're competing, we we very well could have won that game. So I was disappointed we didn't, but I don't want to say that I was angry or that I was annoyed at the team. I just felt frustrated. Um, but then also a bit frustrated at my own reaction. It's a, it's a weird one, but it, it, it kind of does show where we've, where we've been um, over the past six years, where we've, how much we've progressed over the past 12 months um, and perhaps suggest that we've become a little bit spoiled by what we've seen this season in Europe. You know, 11 games unbeaten in Europe is a new Scottish record, which is no small feat. And right, fine, we've not played Real Madrid or Barcelona, but we've played some some good teams and we've played teams that, you know, in the past we've we've struggled against. Maribor in particular have a, a fantastic record against Scottish sides. So it's a, it's a tough one and it, it does show just how far we've come. And, and look, where we are now is we're joint top of the table. In fact, if you go on this head-to-head rule, we're top of our group right now at the halfway stage of the group stages. Um, Christine, considering where we are and, and maybe we've had the easier games in the first half, um, how do you rate our chances of progression after the next three games? Well, obviously, we've got two difficult away games um, and then we've got Villarreal at home, haven't we? Um, I would say if we'd won the other night, I would have been very confident. The fact that we haven't, I think we need to get at least a draw in Moscow. I think we're capable of doing that. So I'm still quietly optimistic that we'll qualify. And if we do qualify, given that we were the fourth seeds in that group, um, I think we'll have done extremely well. I've done a, I did a wee bit of um, research into how the groups were all looking last season in the Europa League 
mm-hmm. um, and it appears that most teams that qualified in the, in the second spot, if we're just looking at coming in second to get qualification, most teams got uh, around about nine points. In fact, I think the average was something like eight and a half points to nine points in order to qualify in second. I don't think any team got through with less than eight points. So that has to be the, the, the benchmark that we're looking at um, to qualify. Obviously, ours is a really tight group. Um, I wouldn't say that any one team in our group is, is a mile ahead of the others. Villarreal are the strongest team, but they're not like in another planet. So it might mean that if the group's a bit tighter, we might need more than eight points, but eight points is one win away from where we are now. And if we can go to Moscow uh, in, in just over a week's time and grind out a spectacular result, um, that's all it could take. That is literally all we might need to get through. Um, and, you know, if you think about how far we've had to come from going to Macedonia, to Croatia, to Slovenia, back to Russia, uh, it, would, it would be a, a staggering, staggering achievement to, to get out of this group. Um, and I, I've loved every second of being back in Europe and, and I don't want it to end. So, look, fingers crossed, never say never. If you'd have offered five points at the halfway point to any Rangers fan, I think we'd have all ripped your arm out of your socket because it's, it's a great position to be in. We're top of the group. Let's just push on and get one more good result and see what happens. Um, We're on our way to Baku. We are on our way to Baku. I'm checking flights. It's uh, a long way, by the way, that. But uh, if we get to Baku, the one thing that we can guarantee is that we will take probably six figures worth of people. We'll take just tens of thousands, if not 100,000 fans to Baku because that shows the passion that we have for this club, that shows the following that we have. Um, and we will take over Azerbaijan for a day and I am sure we will be made very, very welcome. Obviously, the next game now is we're, we're going to be heading out to Moscow uh, for the, the return leg. We do this kind of double header at the mid-stage of the group. Stevie, I don't know how much you know about Moscow and, and obviously they've been having their own troubles back domestically. How do you think that the challenge will be different in Russia compared to what we faced last week in Glasgow? Well, they'll be they'll play differently for a start. I think Moscow obviously done their homework on us because I got a quick a quick look at the the games we've struggled in this season and even lately Hamilton, um, Livingston beforehand, Aberdeen today. Obviously, Moscow wouldn't have known about that, but that's just another one to add to the list. Any team that sits in and doesn't play expansive football against us, we struggle to break down. Moscow came and they done that. Now, home side playing on their pitch, plastic pitch, they're going to come and have a go as they'll have different personnel playing and available. So yeah, I mean, Moscow will be a completely different scenario from what they were the other evening. Um, Moscow, I don't think, had really an effort on goal. Maybe one shot at McGregor, which he patted down and saved. They'll come at us. But if you, you know, you were asking Christine there about what our chances are. The reality of it is when, with Rangers nowadays, we don't know what our chances are in games because if we turn up and play well, like the second half in Villarreal and, and other times in Europe and things like that, then, then we can get a result in Moscow. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. If we turn up and play like we did today or against Aberdeen, against Hamilton, etc., um, etc., et then we will be beaten and we will struggle. 
but it's just it's a simple case of, of Rangers at the moment. You just you kind of just don't know what you're getting. And it harps back on to what I'm saying that our biggest issue at the moment isn't, you know, individuals or isn't this and that, it's consistency. And that's that's where we're going to struggle. Moscow for me is a bit of a lottery. Could be a win, could be a draw, could be a defeat. Is it, then is, is, is it sorry. I was just going to say that anything is, is likely. I mean, is it fair to say then that if we're struggling against the sides that sit in and we're then going to go to their patch and they're going to play a bit more expansive probably, um, fair to say that we might have a, a better chance going there and, and playing a team that will actually come at us and, and find a bit of space? Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Correct. That's what I was getting at. Because that's what happened to Villarreal. They had to come and try and play and, and they did. And we found space and we found, you know... Um, we found holes in their defence. We, we got a couple of goals and we argue even Arfield's chance and kind of near the end, although they did have a chance after us, we could have even nicked a third. So yeah, I mean, definitely it suits us when teams come out to play and we can hit them. We did it in Osijek superbly, 1-1-0. One, one, no. I'm not necessarily saying we can win in Russia, but yes, it definitely suits us. One of our best performances domestically actually was a way to Kilmarnock because they tried to play expansive football and we, we actually dominated them. They didn't sit in. But if you look at all the other games, Aberdeen, Motherwell, things like that, they kind of sat in and weren't as expansive. And that and that's we struggle. We just we don't have um a, a, a game changer um in, in terms of, of skill wise, etc. And we certainly don't when teams suit in, we certainly don't suit the four three three that he's currently modeling. I think that's a really good assessment. Um it's probably fair to say that this game is is leaning towards make or break for us now in Europe um, if we get a good result we're in a really really strong favourable position to go on and, and find ourselves playing European football after Christmas which would be just, just remarkable and, and wonderful for, for the support and the support are going to have a, a huge role to play I mean I've seen that we are, we are taking a, a really great number of fans over to, to Moscow and that's something obviously that support need to be commended for and congratulated for. So anyone that's listening, if you're if you're heading to Moscow, it's it's a fantastic effort because it's it's not the easiest thing to get your visas and and all that sorted. So the the players will be able to rely on loud, vocal, passionate support, and and let's hope that that can carry them over the line. Right, guys. Just before we end up for this evening. Um, one piece of news that that snuck out of of Ibrox midweek was a new contract for. Uh, Glenn Middleton, obviously one of the hottest properties in Scottish football at the moment, considering his his age, his potential, um, his current ability. He's now started to chip in with a few goals, um, and he's arguably the the biggest young talent that we've seen playing in a Rangers jersey for for quite a while. Stevie, how pleased were you to see the news regarding Glenn's new deal? Yeah, delighted, delighted. Um... At best, we, we tie down our, our young players and our best prospects, and he's he's earned it. I think that's the the right way to put it. He obviously got a wee bump uh, in his weekly wage, etc., um, from his youth contract, and that's the way it should be. But it's also up to him now to kick on, um, and I think it's about time that we we give him some more minutes. Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, giving him some more minutes because. You know, kind of despite all the hype that's around him, and he is a, a a really special young talent. He is still used quite sparingly. Actually, we've spoken about that tonight. How he's kind of brought on late and not really given too much time to make much of an impact. 
you think, Steve, this is a, a sensible approach? Are we kind of protecting a, a valuable young prospect or is it kind of silly not to utilise someone who can be a really effective weapon? It is and it isn't. Where it's, where it's sensible, and I've commented on this before when, when he didn't get on and, and things like that, it keeps his kind of fire going and things like that. But if you're going to throw the boy on for five minutes or seven, eight minutes like we did today, it's not fair on him because he, he does lift the crowd. He does lift the team and he's, he's an automatic outball. But you cannot give him seven, eight minutes like today. Give him 20, 25 minutes today and he lifts everybody. He'll undoubtedly create opportunities and it, and it gives him a chance. It's unfair to bring him on today. Um, it just it, it doesn't work. It's not it's not fair and to automatically try and give him the ball and, and expect him to do things in eight minutes. We did it to him the other night as well. We only gave him five minutes on Thursday night as well, and he did actually produce a fantastic cross ball for Kent, who laid it back to Grays down the very last minute, and he subsequently missed. But let's let's. You know, Middleton is the shining star for us. He is it's bright light and, and he's a winger that actually has something different from from Kent. Kent's a wee bit more trickier. Um that he's he's very direct. He does immediately run at his man and he does get the crowd on the edge of his of their seat. I just think now's the time that um we should be giving him more gaming time and try and bring him on. Um, he's, he signed the contract. He's a first-team player. You know, he, he is. He has got lots of promise. Let's let's unleash him a wee bit more. Christine, last word uh, on this to yourself. Let's say that you you are sitting down for that that cup of tea or that bottle of wine with Stephen Gerrard. Would you bring up Middleton? Would you say you know he needs to be getting more minutes, or do you think that he that, that Gerrard's kind of got the right idea treating him? Uh, with a little bit more caution, not giving him too much of a run out, because there's there's probably an argument to say that if Middleton gets too much exposure to Ibrox and things start going wrong, the crowds are going to be on his back. He's a young player who might not kind of have the the resolve to respond to that too well. Is it right to kind of keep him a little more a little bit more reserved and held back, or would you be telling Stevie to to unleash this guy on the SPL? Well, Stevie and I are obviously, you know, very close. Um, so I would probably be telling him um, definitely more game time, definitely more game time for Glenn Middleton, because as we've said, you know, ten minutes, eight minutes, five minutes. You, you really, it's you know, it's impossible to to really put your stamp on a, a game in that short period of time. Um, you know, give him give him a full half, give him you know at least half an hour. Um, whether it's going well or whether it's not going well because he's, he's an impact player he'll always um, do make a, a, a decent contribution but the only you know expect him to do that in five or ten minutes is really I think expecting too much from him um, I would love to see him get more more time I'm with you Christine and I think he will I think he will um, get more game time as the season goes on I think we'll We'll see a lot more of Glenn Middleton, and I kind of, I in a way worry, but it's not so much of a worry. But I don't think we'll see him at Ibrooks for his, you know, his whole career. I think he's going on to to really big things. I think he's a, a special young talent, and um, I'm just delighted that Norwich had the sense to let him go for free. 
Rossi, just, just, just sorry, just to say yeah. on that, we've got the perfect opportunity in the next two games. We've got Kilmarnock on Wednesday at home, and we've got St Mirren away on Sunday. There's players in that 11 today that need a rest. They need to be taken out. They need to earn their spot again. I'm talking about Koulibaly. I'm talking about Ryan Jack. I'm talking about Daniel Candias. Obviously, our number nine is going to swap. We know that. Um, defensively, you could argue that um, we're looking for Barisic to come in. And that something we've talked about in deliveries from Tav. Barisic is a, is a corner kick and free kick taker. And if you look at the goals we've scored from corners, he's been the man crossing them in. You remember Goldson's one um, on Barisic's debut. I think that was a home to St Mirren. How good his quality is. So that Barisic being in on the left offers us balance and that um, danger from set pieces. But we, I'd like to see Gerard change it up a wee bit and have faith in, in some of these guys. You know, Ross McCrory's right out of the picture. Maybe he could come back into midfield. Um, let's give Middleton a chance out in the left. I'm not, I'm not advocating for 11 changes, but I'm just saying that maybe uh, the last three performances we need to freshen them up slightly. I think you're right, and I think it's it, this forthcoming week is um, a hell of an opportunity actually for for Gerrard and, and for the club because this week just gone, it, was, it felt like there was so much potential in this week, and and like I said at the top of the show, if we're being kind of kind we're feeling deflated if we're not being so kind we're disappointed frustrated and angry at how this week's panned out um particularly today so this forthcoming week is is a real opportunity to freshen things up um get back to winning ways get back to some momentum um and being a dominant a dominant team again like you say stevie one of our best performances this season was against uh kilmarnock in, in the in the cup um so let's show them that the side that we are and let's let's show them how well these players can play um, and, and give the fans a week to remember. So that feels like a, a good way to wrap things up for this week. Obviously, I'd like to, to thank both yourselves, Stevie and Christine, for joining me this evening. Um, it's always a, always a pleasure chatting to the pair of you. Also, a big thank you goes to, to Graham, our audio engineer. And you guys, if you've enjoyed the show this evening, please do hit subscribe and, and leave us a wee review. It really does help to spread the word on the podcast. We'll be back next week with Colin in the chair, hopefully to discuss a happier week. Uh, I really hope you'll be able to join us then. Until next time, thank you very, very much for listening and have a great week. Hold up. 